Well, friends, it's good to be with you. Thank you for keeping this appointment with God. If we haven't met, my name is Adam, and it's my joy to be one of the pastors here. I want to greet everybody who's uh, also online worshiping this morning. Uh, appreciate you all, and to also anybody who will experience this message later on this week on our website or on our podcast. Today is All Saints Day, and I wonder what comes to your mind when you hear the word saint. Is it the dog breed, St. Bernard? Is it a city like St. Joseph? Maybe the New Orleans football team? A couple years ago, my daughter Betsy came downstairs and the, a game was on and the Saints were playing and she saw their logo and she said, it's the bananas. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So you're welcome for that. Betsy has actually got a little cough. So she's uh, at home this morning. So shout out to you, Betsy, uh, for giving us the gift of the bananas. Uh, maybe statues or paintings come to mind that you've had in your yard or you've seen around your neighborhood or you've seen in a museum or in a church. Uh, the word saint has a lot of different connotations. Depending on what faith tradition you were raised in, uh, you may be very familiar with saints who play a large role in the Roman Catholic life of faith. In order to be a saint in that tradition, you have to be what's called canonized, which is not being shot out of a canon, but rather you become part of the standard of saints. And not only did you have to live a very virtuous life, but you also have to be uh, verifiably, you have to have two verifiable miracles associated with you, which I think is a high bar. Like one would be a lot. Like if I could claim one miracle, you better believe that would be the sermon, or o sermon opener every week. It'd be like, it'd be like Slugger's birthday. Uh, every single week you'd hear about that. So you have to have two verified miracles to be canonized as a saint. That's a very high bar. But what if being a saint could be defined differently? Not about being perfect or miracles, but what if we could define a saint no less importantly, but maybe a little more relatably? Frederick Beekner said this, many people think of saints as plaster saints, men and women of such paralyzing virtue that they never thought a nasty thought or did an evil deed their whole lives long. As far as I know, real saints never even come close to characterizing themselves that way. On the contrary, no less a saint than St. Paul wrote to Timothy, I am the foremost among sinners. In other words, the feet of saints are as much of clay as everybody else's, and their sainthood consists less of what they have done than of what God has, for some reason, chosen to do through them. Maybe there's nobody God can't use as a means of grace, including even ourselves. The Holy Spirit has been called the Lord, the giver of life. And drawing their power from that source, saints are essentially life givers. To be with them is to become more alive. I think if I wrote something like that, I would just hang it up. I mean, isn't that good? Who are the people that when you're with them, they're life-giving. Who are the folks that have helped you become more alive? Who have helped you see what Jesus meant by abundant life, true life? Who has God used to reveal God in your life? It's a long tradition in the church to celebrate All Saints Day. It goes back to the fourth century. And today, All Saints Day, on this Sunday, is about recognizing the communion of saints, that's a term for the connection we share with all living believers, but also all that have gone before us. So it's important to remember 
who helped get us where we are. And so on this All Saints Day, what I hope we'll discover together as we study God's word is that saints are people who speak truth and love into life. As Beekner said, saints are, more often than not, very ordinary and sometimes even troubled people. We're going to meet one such person in our scripture today. We're going to be reading from the book of 1 Samuel, and that tells the story of King David and Goliath and, and the first kings of Israel. But before Israel had human kings, they were a nation ruled by God. They were a theocracy. And so the, the priests were kind of this intermediary between God and the people. And the main priest's name was Eli. So we're going we're gonna to be reading about Eli's life today. And a woman named Hannah brings Eli, the, the main priest, her child. And this child's name is Samuel. And Samuel's translated to God hears. Hannah had prayed for Samuel's birth and is now presenting him uh, to Eli that his, his life would be in service to God. So we're going to start out in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 25 through 28. They brought the boy, the boy is Samuel, to Eli. And she, that's Hannah, Samuel's mother, she said to Eli, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Eli serves as a spiritual parent to Samuel, and he's known him since birth. So Samuel becomes Eli's successor as the main priest of Israel. And he does so because Eli's biological children are not good priests at all. They're in the family biz, but they abuse their position. And First Samuel tells us that Eli failed to restrain them. Does not turn out well for any of them, by the way. Samuel grows up in service to God under Eli, and one night he, Samuel experiences a vision. This is from chapter 3 of 1 Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. So his main priest, Eli, resided in the tabernacle. You can think of that as a portable temple. And in that time, the inner parts of the tabernacle, that's where God resided and people worshiped uh, in and around the tabernacle. The lamp of God was a series of candles that was, uh, that was lit at night in order to provide the only light that you would have in the tabernacle. So we know it was nighttime and it was not yet dawn when this took place because the candles had not yet burned out. The ark... Uh, was the Ark of the Covenant. Those contained sacred items in the Jewish faith. And this, this Ark of the Covenant was the holiest item in, in all of Israel. And so priests would sleep in the tabernacle, and Samuel also slept in the tabernacle, since Samuel was Eli's charge. So it's nighttime in the central place of worship. That's the context that we're reading in. So Eli and Samuel are sleeping. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lied down. As someone who doesn't really function well when being woken up at night, I really appreciate this verse, right? <laughs> ah, now go back to bed, right? Uh, little, little director's cut version here. Uh, when we had our first son, our first child, Aaron, um, it was an interesting experience in the middle of the night because 
I mean, not to be insensitive, but I was not as necessary to some of that process, right? And uh, I will tell you um, what I said to Sarah in the lobby to enact this policy, or if you ask me in the lobby, I'll tell you what I said. I won't say it publicly. Um, I expect a text waiting for me when I get back to my seat. But Sarah and I enacted a policy that anything you say in the first three minutes of being woken up at night cannot be held against you, right? So just if, if you need a parenting tip, young parents, I got you. Uh, me and Eli, ah, go back to bed. So I love that verse. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, second time now, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So it takes Eli a few times to understand and pick up on what's happening. The lamp of God still burned low because it was the middle of the night in the darkness. And Samuel had mistaken the voice of God for Eli. But then Samuel also looked to Eli for guidance and encouragement. And that's what we're about to see in verses 9 and 10 of 1 Samuel 3. So he's come to him now for the third time. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. So in this episode, we see both Samuel's attentiveness and Eli's wisdom. Samuel was not just content to turn over and just go back to sleep when he heard this voice, he thought it was Eli. So he got up and, and went to his, his mentor. Samuel was attentive to the voice calling to him. And then Eli also showed a lot of wisdom. He wasn't trying to pump Samuel for info. He wasn't looking at this as an opportunity to capitalize on. And I think Eli could have easily let his ego get in the way. Right? Eli was the main priest, so it would have been easy for him to think, well, if I'm the priest here, if God's going to wake some folks up and speak to them, it's going to be me. So what Eli does is he simply gives Samuel some language for how to open himself up to God's instructions. What an awesome picture of saintly wisdom. Who are the folks that have helped you make sense of things? Who has spoken into your life during the long night? Whose life have you spoken truth and love into? Put another way, who have been your Eli's? And if you flip that around, who could be your Samuel's? I put this out on my Facebook page to have folks let me know who have been saints in their lives. And my friend Tracy said, one of her saints is her college roommate. This is what she said. She prays through everything, no matter the situation. When I'm in need of strength and the persuasion to continue praying when I don't want to. When I wonder if I'm on the right track and if I'm questioning why things are happening, I always turn to her. She gives me the strength to believe when I don't have it myself. My friend Scott said his saint was a colleague named Linda. Scott told me early on in his career, uh, he had quite the temper. 
And he said, one morning on an early call, I was in my office and I hung up the phone angry. I threw things and cursed a blue streak. One of our assistants was a wonderful woman named Linda who was also in the office. I didn't know she was there. She came in with tears in her eyes and said she did not like the language and mannerisms I had used. She said I had such potential and it hurt her heart to see me acting like this. She said I needed Jesus and if there wasn't a church I wanted to attend, she invited me to her church. She put her hands on mine and prayed over me. At first I was embarrassed for being caught. Then my heart was uplifted by her sharing her faith story with me. She had been through a lot more than I had. Her words really hit me and she helped me turn my life around. I started back on my faith journey not long after that incident. She was my cheerleader as I started, and she kept encouraging me. Scott said, I will never forget her. This is my friend Paul, who I thought poignantly said, the most helpful didn't speak, they listened. These are the saints that, like Eli, are who we can turn to, people who speak truth and love into our lives, people that we can seek out even in the middle of the night. Now, I think it's also safe to guess that a lot of us may not have had great saintly examples. And so I want to encourage you if you're there this morning, because even a bad example can be a good example of what not to do. And sometimes that's all we can take from it, right? But that's another sermon for another Sunday. Again, even Eli had plenty of faults. The main priest of Israel, mentor to Samuel, had a lot of problems. And those play out in the book of 1 Samuel early on. So no saint is perfect. But on All Saints Day, the people who come to mind the most, usually, are the saints that we've lost. This can happen to us voluntarily on, on days like today, where we mark the loss of saints who've gone before us. It can also, these moments come to us involuntarily, like at random times. I was at the grocery store with a friend uh, earlier this month, and he had recently lost his mom. And as we were going up and down the aisle shopping for a group we were preparing food for, he just kind of had this moment. And he was by the mini muffins of all things. Well, sometimes grief hits you at strange times, doesn't it? And the mini muffins were what his mom had always given his daughter when she came over. It's just out of left field, the mini muffins, man. You never know when it's going to hit. All Saints Day can carry a significant amount of grief with it. And I feel like I would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that this morning. I would compare grief to that room in your basement where you keep a bunch of stuff in storage. Now, I didn't take a picture of my actual room, by the way. I'll, I'll let you decide if this one's better or worse than mine. Right? Like, you don't go into that room a whole lot, but then one day you realize you need to retrieve something. You got to get something out. It's like, ah, I got to get all that out and rummage through all the stuff. Sometimes we need to rummage around the giant Rubbermaid tub to get something we need. And so if you find yourself in that place today, I wanted to tell you about a couple things. We have a group starting up very soon focused on grief, and you can find that on our website. We have a grief group that's going to get started. We usually do this 
at the end of the year like this as the holidays approach because we know that's an especially tough time if grief is something that is, that is affecting you lately. We also are going to have a special service around the holidays to surround grieving folks with love and peace. That's going to be on December 21st at 7 p.m. We call it our Blue Christmas Service. That service is held on the longest night of the year, the winter solstice. So we want our church to be a place where people can be reminded of light and hope, even in the midst of grief. So on All Saints Day, we celebrate that it is a good and needed thing to give thanks to God for the folks that helped us get where we are today. The folks who shaped our faith by their example, good or bad, probably a little bit of both. And we can consider what it looks like to do the same thing for the Samuels in our lives. Friends, saints aren't perfect. Saints are people who speak truth and love into life. One of my favorite seminary professors would say often, faith needs something to touch. Faith needs something to do. And in those moments where you find yourself going down to the storage room of grief and rummaging through the Rubbermaid tub of memories and tears and laughter, I'd encourage you to mark those moments with something to do. Something you can touch. An act that you can play out. When my sister and I were in high school and even into early adulthood, my dad would often call us to request a diet cherry limeade from Sonic. Now, some of you, some of y'all know this. We lost, uh, I lost my dad three and a half years ago or so. And, and, and so this is both at the time we hated it, but now it's a treasured memory because we'd be like, dad, I'm on my way to work. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. And I'm exaggerating maybe just a little bit, but not too much. No matter what was going on, we would begrudgingly oblige to go get dad a diet cherry limeade. It's like we were a DoorDash employee, but our only compensation was the avoidance of guilt. Right? Like that was the dynamic happening. Again, I'm exaggerating, but only just a little bit. So now, on important days like my dad's birthday or on my dad and stepmom's anniversary, Or that day every year on the calendar, on the day that he passed on his anniversary, my sister and I will go to Sonic and we'll FaceTime each other. This is a screenshot. And then we'll get us a Diet Cherry Limeade and pour it out at home for Dad. Now that may sound a little bit silly, friends, but I'm here to tell you, faith needs something to do. Faith needs something to touch. To mark this important day, All Saints Day, we wanted to give you something to do as a part of worship. If you're with us online, I'd invite you to go grab a candle because that's what we're doing here in person. So in a moment, you'll be invited to come and light a candle in honor of a saint that's spoken truth and love into your life. And some of us have lost folks very recently. This is going to be a little raw. On the screen, we have listed the names of saints from our church over the last year that we've lost. Again, some of which are very recent. And so as we, as we close in worship, we'll invite you to stand and sing here in a second during our closing song. 
And during that song, you're invited to come forward and you'll grab one of these little sticks. The fancy word is taper. And you can light that candle. You can light your taper and then light a candle. And then you can extinguish your taper. Just blow it out and stick it there in the sand. We've got uh, tapers here in the center and also on the sides on the kneelers. And then after the song, we're going to put the names back on the screen and we're going to have a moment of silence for all of our saints. And then we'll conclude by ringing our church bell three times. Everybody got it? Again, faith needs something to do. Faith needs something to touch. And so what a powerful image to have these candles all lit in honor of folks that we went to during the long night who helped us see the light of God even when it was dark. Friends, as we remember the saints that have spoken truth and love into our lives, let's pray. We give you thanks, O God, for all the saints who ever worshiped you across time, near and far. We thank you, God, for people who helped us be attentive to your voice and were a guide and a lamp during the dark night. Thank you for the sacrifices made by those who have gone before us. Bless the memories of your saints that we carry forward with us. Help us to take our place in the long line of saints that curves and winds around and round all the way to your throne in heaven. May we learn how to walk wisely from their examples of faith, dedication, worship, and love. God, help us to grieve not as the world grieves, but as people who have hope in the life and teachings and death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to speak truth and love into the lives of others as we have been spoken into. And everybody said, amen.